Hey everyone, and welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, a podcast for artists who are ready to reach greater heights in their art careers. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, founder of Visionary Art Collective and New Visionary Magazine. Join me for inspiring conversations with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. Let's jump in. Hello and welcome back. Today on the podcast, we are chatting with the wonderful and super talented Mona Lurch. Mona is a visual artist. She's also the founder of Women's United Art Movement. And today we get to ask Mona all the questions about her art career and also the work she's doing to support women artists around the world. Welcome, Mona. Thank you so much, Victoria. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. I'm so happy. We have been talking about getting you on the podcast for so long, and it's a very special day to have you here. I'm really looking forward to learning even more about you. I mean, we connected, I think, three years ago and have had the pleasure of just getting to know each other and supporting each other. And our listeners finally get to learn about you. Some of them might already be familiar with the great work you're doing. But Mona, how I usually like to start these episodes is just by dialing it back a little bit and asking you about your journey as an artist. Just tell us all the, all the things about your journey as a creative, as a visual artist, I know that you also have a background in dance, so just tell us all about it. I never considered myself a visual artist in the past because even though my background is very creative, my mom worked for uh, film and for TV, my dad used to work in TV as well. I think we were really like a creative household when I was little. I went into drama. I was singing. Uh, I didn't play any musical instrument, which I'm really like, you know, I wish I did, but I never painted and I never drew. I was this kid who always liked to sing and, you know, play and stuff like that. And then when I was around 10, my mom came to me and she was like, well, do you want to try this summer camp? It's a, it's a summer dance camp. And I was terrible. And then a year later, somehow I got better and I really started enjoying dancing. So I became a dancer. I actually started uh, attending this, this company, dance company in the city where I'm located in now, which is Brno in the Czech Republic. And so it was 20 years of dancing for me. I became a choreographer for one of the top dance studios in Prague. I was teaching as well. So that was my creative outlet. And then I lived in London. I studied criminology and psychology. And then I did my master's in criminology as well. And then I moved back home uh, to actually to Prague. And I couldn't find a job and I got this offer from this dance studio. So I started teaching there. And one year it was this transition for me when I finally found a job for the government, but I didn't have any money to buy Christmas presents. And I would walk around the shopping mall and I saw this beautiful home decor shop and they had very cheap canvases and very cheap oil paints. And I, I kept thinking like, wow, why don't I try this? You know, why don't I try and paint something for my family and friends since I don't have any money for Christmas presents? So I did. And that's how I became 
interested in painting and I fell in love with that. But for years, this was just a hobby for like eight years, maybe, or six years. Um, I would paint once in a while, you know, maybe twice a year when I needed some presents um, and so on. And so then when my son was born and I already quit dancing because of some health issues that I had and I didn't have any creative outlet anymore. And I was going through a heavy postpartum. Uh, it was terrible six months. And I would just create things like a quiet book for my son, which is this like, um, I don't know if you know it, if you're familiar with that, but it's a book you actually make for your child and they're little like puppet dolls and different like flowers and buttons and they can play with that. And so I created that. And then I'm like, why don't I go back to painting since I loved it so much? And that's how I started. And, and it helped me heal from postpartum pretty much. And so then I was like, if this is helping me so much, why don't I do it full time? And that's how I became a visual artist. <laughs> oh my goodness. I just love it so much too, because I love sharing like real stories of artists and their journeys because it's not always linear, right? It's not always that we were always drawing as kids and then we went to art school and then we got an MFA and then we, it, it is that way for some artists, but it's not that way for a lot of artists. Um, and when you share your journey, it's so interesting to hear about all of your different passions, you know, dancing and performing and singing and I think it's so fascinating that you were, you know, that you pursued criminology as well. Like, I definitely want to hear more about that too. Um, and then you ended up as a visual artist. But what I think is so beautiful about your journey is that painting and making art became a tool for you to get through a really challenging time. And that is the power and the beauty of the creative process. And I think of, of painting and, you know, as a painter, of course, I'm a little bit biased, but I think that just making art in general, like has that ability. Um, what would you say it was in particular about painting that really drew you in and sort of clicked for you and allowed you to just create some space to heal during that time? I think first of all, you know, when I picked up the brush for the first time, I think it was exactly the reason that I was not created and creative in that way in the past. Like I never thought that I could do it. And so when I did those first few pieces, I was really proud of myself. I was like, wow, you know, because my high school, and that's what I didn't mention, was kind of artistic, but I went the drama path, you know, so I was doing like the, the performance. And then we had our, like the second half of our class was, uh, were painters. And I always admired that. And I was always like, wow, I wish I could do that. And then I just like one day challenged myself. And I think going back to, you know, the period of, of my postpartum, I was like, I can't dance any longer. Obviously I said to myself when I quit dancing after those 20 years, I knew I can't go back to a rehearsal. You know, some dancers, they would keep going, you know, just for fun. I knew that I couldn't because I loved it so much. And the decision was so difficult. I was like, I can't set foot in the studio anymore because I would regret my decision of quitting. 
And so, what you know, I can't really, I'm not a good singer. I mean, I love singing. I love, you know, moving around and singing and it, it's, it really soothes my soul. But that wasn't something that I would do in a small apartment with a child who's napping, right? And so I was like, I need to create and I have all these pains. Okay, let's just try that. And the first time I did that, it was after so long because obviously I'm an oil painter mainly. So, you know, with a little baby or even during pregnancy, I wasn't using those because they were quite toxic. And so then I had to switch to um, water-based or uh, water-mixable oils because of the fumes. And my husband, he's also very sensitive to um, to smells. So so he used to have headaches um, because of that. So I had to switch to water-mixable. And then as soon as I started, I had this feeling of, you know, I'm hurting inside so much and I was too stubborn to seek help, which I regret, obviously. But at that time... I just could not take in any more advice from anyone else because there's obviously a lot of unsolicited advice when you're a new mom, which is not helping at all uh, most of the times. And I was like, I know that this person, a, a therapeutist or someone would help, but I can't take any more advice in. So I need to deal with that on my own, which is nonsense, obviously, but that's how I felt at that time. And when I, um, when I picked up my brushes and my paints and started painting is like, wow, this release. And I started as an abstract artist. So, you know, it's all about emotions and all about releasing those things on canvas or paper, whatever you're using. And I just felt like I'm painting my story, even though they were like floral landscape abstract pieces, but still I felt like I'm coming back to my roots. I'm trying to reconnect with my soul and nature, because I love nature, obviously. And it was just that feeling of coming home for me, I think. And then, you know, it evolved. I tried different mediums and today I'm painting differently than what I painted a few years ago. But that was such a crucial part, you know, and especially when you're caring um, for a newborn, you're putting all that energy towards that, you know, like it's your little baby, it needs you. Um, and all your relationships are put on side, you know, like a lot of um, marriages suffer through those first few months as well. And I think we did a great job. But at the same time, I did not do any self-care. And this was my self-care routine and my the time that I had for myself. And it was absolutely wonderful at that time. Does that answer your question? Yes, yes, absolutely. And it really provides us, I think, with such an in-depth look into why painting and, and just making art was so, not just therapeutic for you, but like helps you to heal through that. I mean, I've never experienced postpartum. I'm not a mother, but I have had friends who have dealt with postpartum. My mother has recently expressed that she had postpartum and that was in gosh, you know, the eighties. And so it wasn't something back then that was really talked about. And I don't even think she realized at the time that that's what it was, but it is something that is important to talk about. And I think for you finding uh, such a powerful tool, like creating art to help you get through that and to, and to kind of strengthen you and a place and provide you with a place to create beauty you know, and reconnect to those parts of yourself is such a beautiful and such a special thing. A question that I have for you is, 
And I know that, that it is probably not easy to answer this in just like a, you know, a, in a quick response, but what advice would you give to any mother out there who might be experiencing postpartum? You know what? This is actually, it's not difficult at all. I think mm-hmm. the one thing that we are not encouraged to do is to tune in to our bodies and our souls. And there are a lot of expectations from the society, from your families, from your friends even, that when you don't do these things, um, you feel you're not doing great. And I think that was a big thing for me as well, that, you know, I couldn't breastfeed um, and I was trying so hard and I would have my cousin, who's a nurse actually, coming here saying, oh, so why do you keep trying? You know, like, why do you keep trying? You don't say that to a mother who's like physically and mentally struggling to do the best for her child, but I just couldn't. And then... I had to make the decision myself to stop trying, but I had to come to that conclusion myself and say, this is enough. This is stressing me and this is stressing my child. And I just listened to my intuition. And it was like that with so many different things that were happening. My son was born prematurely. He was quite small, very, very small. Um, and the first few weeks and first few months when he, you know, and by the time he grew to a normal size of a normal, you know, baby, it it was so stressful. Um, and we were so worried about so many things and people kept giving us advice. And I was just like, I don't even want to see anyone or listen to anyone because they're not helping. And I think ultimately we all have that maternal instinct inside of us. And if you listen to that, if you really like concentrate on what you feel is right, I think you can't go wrong because it's your baby. You've already cared for that baby for nine months, right? Or eight in some cases, but, um, you know, it's like, you know what to do, you know, what's best for you and you know, what's best for your child. And I know it's hard to see that when you are a new, new mom, it was certainly difficult for me. But, you know, as I made these bigger decisions, it just became clear that, you know, I knew what was right for both of us. So I think, you know, just just listen to your intuition, listen to what feels right for you. And I know, as I said, there there's lots of pressure and judgment. And I think sometimes it's, you know, maybe like, like when people are projecting their own, you know, traumas or, yes. or, or things that they can do, they were not allowed to do, or maybe they didn't dare to do them, you know? And so they're trying to project onto you. And sometimes they don't mean any harm, but it is actually harmful for you. So, I mean, you know, the best thing is to, to find someone who can help you support you in what you do. And especially with artists, I think there are, you know, other artists, mothers, who have gone through the same stuff, you know, ask around, ask for support because they will understand your situation much better than your cousin, for example. Yes. Yes. And I love, I feel like over the last several years, there have been, or at least I've started to see um, more communities pop up to support mother artists 
And I think it's a beautiful thing because, you know, again, I'm not a mom, so I can't speak from experience, but I have so many friends that are mothers and there are so many artists that I work with who are mothers. And it, from what I've heard, it can feel like an isolating thing at times. There are of course challenges to it. And I think whenever you're going through a difficult time or facing adversity in any way to be part of a connected and supported community is one of the best things that you can do. But I also really appreciate, first of all, you sharing your journey with postpartum with us. And I know it's something you've spoken about before. It's a dialogue that needs to be sparked. It's a conversation that needs to be had openly. Um, I think, and you know, when, when I just think back to like 10, 15, 20 years ago, how it was really kind of looked down upon to talk about these things. Um, it's so upsetting because I think of all the women that could have really benefited from having conversations like this and how healing that could have been. But in addition to sharing your journey with us, I just think it's so beautiful how you found art through this process to support you and to help heal you and, and get you to that place where you were feeling good and, and strong. And I know that it probably took time as well. Totally. And I think also, you know, with the creative part of, you know, that, um, that era or that period of my life, um, I just knew I had to do it, you know, for some reason, once I tried that first piece, I knew I wanted to go back and I had that hunger inside of me. And, you know, you can't create every single day. It's not possible, you know, especially if, if your baby's not napping, <laughs> you know, it's not a good sleeper. I was quite lucky that on top of all of those issues that we had, he was a good sleeper and still is. So, you know, that was one thing that kept me sane. And I was allowed to, you know, steal a couple of hours in the afternoon or in the evening to paint. But I did not do it every day. And I think, you know, so many artists who are used to creating every single day before they become parents, suddenly it's such a shock for them as well that they can't be or have that creative habit any longer. But it's okay. It's okay. It's just a phase, you know, like it will... It's like now what I say about my business is like, I'm, I can't wait for September because my son will finally go to preschool four days a week. We made a compromise. So it's not five, but four days a week. And I'm like, you know, until now I'm working during the night, you know, until late, you know, 3am is a regular night, you know, bedtime hour for me. And so now I will work during the day and it's finally happening and I've been waiting for this moment for so long, but it's happening, you know, like, so it's happening a little later, you know, and it's okay. You know, so if, if you can't create every day now, you will one day again, we're in this for a lifetime and you're not ever, ever going to lose your creativity. So, you know, if that means you need a break now for whatever reason, you can always come back to it later. And, you know, it's not like we have one year to make it in the art world. No, <laughs> we're literally working towards that our whole life. Yeah, I think it's, it's such an important reminder that you're sharing because things come in waves. And it, for sure, when you become a parent, I imagine it's it, very different. Um, <laughs> life is very different and there's a big adjustment period, but also remembering that that is temporary too. Eventually your kids will grow up and you'll have 
more time and things are just always shifting in general. Like, I think this is why it's so important for us to remember to be flexible and to give ourselves grace. And I love that you shared how it's okay if you can't make your art every day. I'm sure that many of us and many of the artists listening, that's the dream for a lot of us is to be able to make our work every day. And it is possible for some of us, and and sometimes it's possible for a specific period of time, and then it changes again. It's just being flexible and embracing those different seasons of your life and finding ways. You know, I've spoken with artists who have multiple jobs and they have kids and they're like, the only way I can make my art is if I bring my sketchbook on the train in the morning or on the bus and I have 30 minutes to sketch or to, you know, whatever, you know, or I bring my iPad, like whatever it might be, it's just getting creative and finding those, those times. And it's okay if it's not every day, it's just doing what you can, when you can, which is kind of like the mantra that I try to to live by now and to not feel guilt or shame if you're not able to, um, you know, do things in the timeline that you hoped for, because most likely that will, that will change at some point too. But I wanted to ask you because, I mean, I have a lot of questions for you, (laughs) but I wanted to ask you about how you started to develop and build your community um, women's united art movement, which was born out of, um, the first sort of platform or community that you built, which was for mother artists, uh, and now has transitioned into supporting women artists, uh, on a global level. Um, but I think that your mission and, you know, is very much rooted in just supporting women, supporting artists. Can you tell us a little bit about how this came to be? First of all, I want to say that everything I do really mirrors my journey. So that's why I started with my first platform with Art Moms United. And this is a big news, actually, that like literally this week or when this episode's aired last week, I announced that the two platforms are merging. And so the reason I created Art Moms United in the first place was that you know, I felt isolated. You mentioned that, that it's an, it's sometimes it's this isolated feeling of being a mother, trying to make it as an artist. Now I want to say that I had a big advantage when I was starting with this platform because the maternity leave in the Czech Republic is for three years. So I was a year in my maternity leave and didn't have to go back to work for the next, for the following two years. So I had the time to test things out, you know, to try whether I'll be selling my work, whether I can run a platform where I can actually make a living of it, you know, and and other things. So, you know, let go of things that don't work, start working on something new and really be brave and just try different things. And it's been a journey. I mean, I, I really needed a community of artist mothers because I just wanted to feel the support that I didn't receive from, you know, as I mentioned, my family or friends. And and it was a wonderful journey at the beginning. But then as my son grew older, I started diving more into the spirituality, my spirituality, um, my feminine energy, because that's something that I never really explored in the past, because I was always in 
more in the masculine energy. So when I was growing up, most of my friends were boys because I thought girls were stupid. You know, they were like talking about things that bored me, you know, and they were gossiping about each other. And um, it was like, it was like a battlefield. And I just felt like, well, I don't want to be a part of this. I really want to be among the boys. So I would be with the boys. And to this day, when I go to a a birthday party (laughs) to my friends' houses, um, all the girls, like I would go with the guys and all the girls are, you're fine. You know, you're one of them. Like they just literally take me as a part of, you know, the, the, the group of the boys. And so that, that was, you know, my, my first thing with this like masculine energy, because I always enjoy the company of boys more. And then when I started dancing, I was a hip hop dancer. So again, it's more like a, you know, a masculine style of dance. And then I did, I studied criminology and psychology. Then I went into, you know, working for the government. I was a counterterrorism specialist. And my other topic, my other area of expertise was hybrid threats and disinformation campaigns. So again, it's very, you know, even the job was very masculine, I would say. And I always enjoyed that. And it never occurred to me that oh, I'm a girl, you know, I should really use the force, the power we have within us to like make this world a better place. And so then when obviously I became a mother and and everything was happening and suddenly like your perception of things changes a lot. And so I worked with a spiritual coach for uh, six weeks and she was really trying to like bring everything up for me. And that's when I felt the first time like, you know, I want to be talking to women, not to artist mothers, but to women in general, because there are so many issues in this world that we women have to face. And I wanted to address everything. Now, obviously, if you're one human being, you can't do that. <laughs> but but I'm always like very, you know, I want to save the world from all the wrong things that are happening. And so that's when the first time around... Um, I felt like I want to rebrand my first platform, but the universe had different ideas for me. You know, it's like you make the decision and then the universe starts testing you if you are really serious. So I started receiving emails and, and DMs on social media, like, oh, wow, what a wonderful platform. I'm so happy to be a part of that. I'm like, no, I can't let down my moms, you know? And so I created another platform, which is Women United Art Movement. And... And suddenly I just like put a lot more work on my plate and Art Moms United itself because of the title proved to be a limitation in a way, because there were so many women who wanted to be a part of that, but felt like it's not their space. Even though I was always transparent about being inclusive, you know, you can be a firm mom, um, aunt, you know, it's fine. Like you are a part of this community. For some artists, that was a limitation. I was like, I don't want anyone to feel that they don't belong. So that's how, you know, Women United Art Movement was born. And now the merger was just a logical step in this whole journey because I see so many women artists who really love what we do. And I say we because now I have a phenomenal, phenomenal um, assistant. And I have to mention her name because she's just amazing. And her name is Heather Sportsman. Uh, she's a visual artist from Texas. And I 
I'm so grateful for her. People just love, artists love what we do. And I just felt like if we have one space that really advocates for women artists and is a power, is a force in the art world, then, you know, we can do a much better job than dividing our attention to two different platforms. So that's why the merger. Um, and as I said, it all mirrors my journey. So, you know, when I was a new mom, this community was so important for me because I wanted to be around other artist mothers. But as I embraced my womanhood, suddenly, you know, this is like a bigger picture. And now I'm talking for all the women out there. I love that. I love that because I feel like the decisions that you've made have been so intentional, you know, and you've really thought about everything deeply and you always come from a place of wanting to support mothers and support women and the work that you're doing is so valuable. And I've shared with you how many people have said to me, you know, artists that I've worked with, oh my goodness, I've spoken with Mona or I've taken one of her workshops or I've, you know, been featured in the directory or whatever it might be. I've heard this for years and I've just, there have been so many positive um, things spoken about the work you're doing because it really is making an impact. And this comes back to actually what you were talking about before when you were speaking on your experience with postpartum and you were saying how it's so important that we tune in and we trust ourselves through that process. And I feel like this is similar in the sense that as you build, as you started to build Art Moms United and it was growing and these beautiful things were happening, that was wonderful. But then you had this another, you had another um, instinct to create a larger platform and, and merge the two. And you listened to that and you trusted that. And these decisions can be scary when you're an entrepreneur and you've built up a platform for three years, a community, and you've branded yourself um, in a certain way. It can be really nerve wracking. And I just want to congratulate you on the decision for all the work you're doing and also for trusting yourself and taking that leap of faith. Because sometimes when we make decisions like this in the work that we're doing, uh, we really do have to take a leap of faith and just purely trust that we are making the right choice. Totally, totally. And thank you so much for mentioning that. It's been a challenge. And yeah. you know that, like you run this this beautiful platform, the magazine, the podcast and everything. We're constantly faced with big decisions, right? Like what is working? What is not working? Am I spending my time in the you know right way am i going the right direction should i like tweak things so i support more people um you know how is it received and everything you have to consider all the time so i'm not going to lie the decision you know about the merger i let it go you know back then when i decided to run two platforms now a couple of months ago and we talked about it recently when we chatted we were supposed to record a podcast earlier this month or last month but we didn't we ended up chatting um and we talked about me kind of going into like a mild burnout and you know just I was just so tired with all the work and suddenly I was falling asleep one night and this idea again came to my mind and it was like you need to rebrand now a big conversation with my ego going no this is your baby you started with this you are not a, you're not giving up you know you have to get going and stuff like that and and it's like but I physically can't 
you know, the day only has 24 hours and half of the time I'm with my son. So I want to be the person that people come to for support when they think about women in the arts. Of course, I'm not the only platform, you know, there are other wonderful spaces and platforms out there, you know, shout out to everyone because whoever is focusing on women artists is doing an amazing, incredible job. And I'm so grateful that, you know, it's growing, like this community is growing. But it was like, I want to be that number one person that people come to. And if I divide my attention between so many tasks, I won't be able to focus 100% on 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 a single one, you know? I would have to like really like spread everything to all these activities and I was like, "No, I need to be more vocal. I need to be more assertive in the art world. I need to show potential partners that this is the thing that we are doing and this is why it's important." But as I said, the conversation with my ego, that was painful. That was painful. That was like, Mona, you are giving up. No, no, I'm not giving up. You know, like I'm I'm moving forward and creating something bigger. And and then, you know, then the intuition and what feels right always wins. So here I am merging the two. I'm so excited for this next chapter and I can hear it in your voice that you're excited about it. And I don't think that we should ever continue something for the sake of it or because we feel like we have to, or because, you know, we've come so far and, and it's not giving up. It's if you are making an intentional decision to shift anything in your life, right? Whether it's your career, whether it's with the community you're building, whether it's your own work, You know, how many times have you heard an artist say, I painted, you know, portraits. Now I want to paint landscapes, but I've branded myself as a portrait painter and I'm so scared I'm going to lose my collector base and no one's going to want to buy work from me. Like these things actually happen all the time. Uh, And it's no matter what, you have to listen to what you really want to do and what you're excited to do. And I'm proud of you for making that choice because I know it wasn't an easy one, but it was the right one. And I think now you're going to feel even more sort of like energized and just excited and ready to take this on because you're feeling really good about it. It's so important as entrepreneurs that we look at every part of our business. And sometimes the simplest question, I think I've shared this in a previous podcast episode that I ask myself is, does this part of my business bring me joy? I'm not even looking at like, you know, the money or I'm just simply asking myself, like, how do I feel in my body when I think about this part of my business? Do I light up with excitement or do I feel like it's a drain on my energy? And I've actually started to reshape my company through that. And sometimes it's not even um, as black and white as you do it or you don't. Sometimes it's just like kind of what you, you're you doing, you're shifting it. You know, you're saying, okay, well, it's not uh, bringing me joy right now. It's starting to feel like a bit of a drain on my energy. So maybe instead of doing away with it altogether, I can shift it and change it and turn it into something that is going to be really purposeful and impactful, but also feel really good when I'm doing it. We often forget that this is our business, right? No matter if you run a platform or paint or do anything else, like it's your business. 
Like you can, you can make the decision to quit. You can make the decision to continue. You can make the decision to completely change your subject matter. And I never really question, you know, when I go back to what you said about the artist fearing, you know, the change of subject matter, I don't care. Like I've tried so many different things. Like you saw me all the way through, you know, I did um, abstract pieces. Now I'm making figurative pieces. I did Lino cut prints. I tried collage. I just love, and I think this is why it's so important to realize what the word artist or creative means. Like no matter what you do, I know that we are worried sometimes that we're going to lose our audience, what have you, but the new, like new audience is going to come, right? Like it's not either or, it's just like, you know, do you want to be a part of my journey? If so, please stay with me and support whatever I do and whatever I decide. You don't have to agree with that, you know? And also the other thing I wanted to say was it's not terminal. You can always come back. Like if I feel in two years time that this decision was not the right one and it harmed, it was harmful to my business in any way, then, you know, I can always come back to it. It's like, it's, it's not you know, it's not ending of something in the sense that it can't be brought back. Right. So, so I just, I just feel like every single time we make a business decision. Now I know a lot of artists don't like to call their art practices a business, but it is, I'm telling you, it is a business. It is a small, beautiful business that you run. Um, if we make big business decisions, first of all, you can, you know, change it again. And also you are allowed to change it because it's your business. Yeah. And I think, so a couple of things came up as you were speaking, because these are such good points. And I'm so glad you are sharing this because I think what it comes down to is having a mindset that is both abundant and flexible. So abundant meaning, okay, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to change this thing that I've been doing and it feels scary but I'm going to trust that there will be an abundance of people there to support me as I, as I go through this transition. And scarcity mindset is when we are in that place of lack. As you know, we start to worry that there won't be enough people to support us, that people are going to leave once we change our style or change our business or whatever it might be. And then also building in that flexibility. And it's so true. Like you can try something out in your art business. You can try something out in your career and if it doesn't work out, chances are you can, you can change it. You can go back to what you were doing previously. You can try something else. And we just have to remember that, you know, as you said, these decisions are not terminal. They will have uh, impacts, but they, are, they can be changed at any time. We have the power to do that. And this is also part of, I think, just taking full responsibility, for our lives and the decisions that we make and understanding that at the end of the day, the beauty of being an artist, the beauty of being a creator, of being an entrepreneur is that we can make these decisions. We have the power to make decisions that are going to serve us and our communities in the best ways. I love that you brought that up. Such a powerful point. And I mean, I always ask my, my clients when I work with artists, I always ask, and even myself, this question, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, what is the worst thing? So if it doesn't work out, if my platform does not exist, if people are not interested in what I do, if I'm not selling my work, 
What's the worst thing? Well, I would have to go and find a job. Is that such a tragedy? Yeah. You know, like at the end of the day, it's it's these situations. I think we just need to be brave enough to go for it and then see what happens. And yes. if you have that trust, you know, I guarantee you that it's going to work out. But I fear that we live in this fast food society we expect everything to happen overnight. And and it's not, you know, our fault. Like we are living in that, in those conditions these days. So we think, you know, if I'm not selling within the first few months, then I'm probably not a good artist and I might as well quit. Well, guess what? Like you want to work in this field for another 30, 40, 50 years. If it happens overnight, what are you going to do the rest of your life? You know, and I feel... This is, and, and I just want like full disclaimer, I don't come from a background with a lot of money. Uh, my husband has a terrible salary actually for what he could be getting for, for what he knows and what his skills are. So it's not even, I don't have a, you know, husband with a good salary that would back me up. It's really like we are making this work together. And so I just wanted to put it out there because sometimes I feel, you know, a lot of artists would object like, oh, but if you have savings or if you have, you know, this or that background, it's easier for you. No, I'm like literally making everything from scratch. And I started my first platform and I hired my first coach. We coached together with Kat Popova, right? And that was in the middle of my maternity leave when I was literally earning, well, not earning, I was getting from the government, we get like a monthly support which was $350 per month. And that was all my income, you know? And I still I still took the leap of faith and did it. And I think this is also really important to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, then no one will. Like you have to be the number one fan. Otherwise, otherwise it's not going to happen. But you really have to like be be strong in in you know, your faith in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I love everything that you just said, because again, like so many great points you bring up. And I think sometimes there is this misconception that um, if you have a partner with a lot of money, if you come from generational wealth, if you have a big savings, it's going to be easier. It might help a little bit, but at the end of the day, like there are so many artists and entrepreneurs that I know that came from really nothing you know, in, like financially, they did not come from much at all. And they were able to build something for themselves. And it does come down to sheer determination and having this unwavering belief in yourself. And I think the belief is like, I can do this. And if it doesn't work out the way I plan to, I trust that I'll find another solution, that I'll mm -hmm. find another way of doing it, but I'm not going to give up. You don't have to have it all figured out when you make that that big mm -hmm. decision in your life or in your, your career or in your business. You just have to take that first step and trust that you will be able to find the solutions, even when things get challenging. And I mean, we do that all the time in life, right? Like you have to find a solution to so many things that are happening in your life. Yeah. We just need to transfer those skills that we already have to the business. And I think, you know, I, it's scary because suddenly, you know, I, I never dreamed of being an entrepreneur. Never, like never. <laughs> so for me, this was all new as well. But I think, 
you know, being genuine, being authentic as well really helps with connections, connecting with people. And that's what I wanted to say, like, no matter, I have so many artists that I worked with or, you know, had some communication with either over social media. And I don't mean just saying hi or whatever, but really like genuine conversations, emails, what have you. I always treat everyone the same way I would want to be treated. And I think that's really, and you do that too, right? And Chiruka, for example, who runs Arts Two Hearts, Cat with Create, like we are such genuine people and we really want the best for the artists who come to our places. And I think this is really important as well, because I remember, and you probably experienced that too, getting emails and messages you know how we want to exploit artists and stuff like that because we charge submission fees and I had a terrible email I don't know if I mentioned that to you before but I had a terrible email quite recently from someone um, and then five minutes later I received such an amazing email from some other artists and it was like the universe was trying to balance me being triggered by something that I felt was so unfair providing how many work how many hours I put into this, you know, and people don't realize, well, if I don't have the time to do that, if I, if I have a job and then do this on the side, there would not be any platform because I wouldn't have the time to, to work on it. And I work 10 to 12 hours per day, most of the days. And that includes weekends and till late night. I mentioned that, you know, I go to bed and I, I got really exhausted recently. I go to bed at 2, 3 uh, a.m. easily because I'm working on everything that's happening on the platform, things that people don't see when they look at, you know, the, the finished product. Yeah. People who experience you as a human being, when they have a wonderful interaction with you, they would go with you anywhere. So whatever decision you make, they will go with you. They are your supporters because you've helped them before. You've supported them before. And they will come no matter what you call your platform, no matter what subject matter you paint, they will go with you because they love you as a human being because they have the connection. And it's always about people and, you know, the interactions we have. So I think that's like one of the most important factors in, in my business to be genuine and authentic and, just speak to people the way I want it to be, or I would want to be treated as an artist. Absolutely. I think that that's what creates these connections and connections that are often lasting and genuine. And it's through showing up authentically and being your true self um, and, and being open, you know? And I think like for you, I can imagine you, you, that you feel the same about your podcast because that's kind of how I feel about starting this podcast was this is a place where we can have like honest, raw, open, vulnerable conversations that artists can relate to, that entrepreneurs can relate to, um, that creatives of all different kinds, you know, can relate to. And it creates this strength of connection amongst people that you don't even know when you show up this way. You may, might have never met them. You know, I have so many followers that I've never even met that will, you know, very similar. I'm sure you get them too, that will send messages or emails that are like, hey, I listened to that podcast episode or I saw your post and it really changed the way that I was seeing things that day or really lifted me up in a moment that was hard for me. And I knew, I think you and I are so similar in this, like, 
we have both had that intention at the forefront when we started me, when I started visionary art collective and new visionary magazine and you, when you started art moms United and, and women, women's art United, we both had that intention of like showing up authentically as ourselves and building true connections with our audience and not just hiding behind the screen or, uh, you know, like we show up, we show up and we, we make those beautiful, beautiful connections. And it's important. It's important. And I think it is, like you said, it's what's going to help to sustain our platforms and also just, you know, with, with the submission fees, I'll add too that I've gotten emails like that as well. Not very many, but I have gotten some. And I think it's just important to remember that, you know, we have a statement on our, on our submission forms that clearly states like our, any, any entry fees, any submission fees that we have go towards paying our team, paying our curators for reviewing the work, sustaining our platform, allowing us to create free, free educational resources, um, they keep the podcast going. I mean, they, it, it sustains the platform, you know. I think that sometimes that can get a little bit lost. And I also understand from the perspective of artists that, it, you know, for artists who are actively submitting to different platforms and art organizations, I always say create a budget, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, have a budget, something that feels good for you because most of these platforms do have entry fees. Most of these opportunities do have something like that in place. So come up with a budget that feels good to you and and that, you know, allows you not to, to break the bank either. We want to do this in a way that works for everyone. Um, and Erica Hess actually did a great podcast episode talking a little bit about entry fees and, and the gallery model with the commission and all of these things. And it's just, I think it's important to remember as well that like when you are supporting an art organization, you're supporting an, an entire team of people. You're not seeing what's happening behind the scenes, as you mentioned, Mona. But that $20 that you're paying, you know, or that $30, whatever it is, you're supporting an entire organization that has bootstrapped their business and is working to support and increase visibility for artists. Um, and there's so much that you know, you don't see happening behind the scenes. Totally. So many discussions, so many conversations, uh, so much good work that is going on. But anyway, Mona, I want to I wanna give you just an opportunity to share any final thoughts with our listeners. It's been such a pleasure to have you on. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now or what you have coming up this year. And then we'll start to wrap up this beautiful conversation. Okay, this went so quickly. I always feel like I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> so, always, um, always. So first of all, I want to say that one thing that we really concentrate since last year, because I'm such an empath and such a softie, I was um, devastated by, um, now like a serious topic now, Uh, I was really devastated last year and couldn't function properly or when the war in Ukraine broke out. And I started thinking about ways how I can support female artists from countries that are affected by war conflicts. So since last February, pretty much, we have free entries to our opportunities for women from Ukraine and other countries that are affected by war conflicts. We added on, obviously, um, women from Iran, 
and other other countries where uh, the women's rights are suppressed. So everyone who wants to be a part of the platform from these countries, or for example, countries affected by natural disasters. So we have artists um, applying from Syria, for example, they can contact us at uh, our email address. All the details are on the website. They're linked to all the calls that we have. They can contact us to um, just send us an email about a fee exemption because I think that's, you know, the powerful thing that we can do as, you know, a platform that is global and that really cares about women in the arts and wants to be the voice of the voiceless. So uh, this is absolutely phenomenal. And we had so many responses, like last issue of the magazine had around 80 women artists from Euro from Iran. And that was so powerful. It made me cry a lot. Um, it was very emotional for me. But at the end of the day, being the one who can share their stories is so important. And it means the world to me. And so I recently, talking about the artists who support us no matter what, I recently, like last week, I had um, a message from one of the Iranian artists. And I was crying for two hours when I read that. It was so powerful. Um, she literally said that this was the best thing that happened to her in years. And that's the moment when you feel like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. Like I'm really, this is my purpose and this is why I do it. So, so that's incredible. And I just want to want to put it out there. If we have any listeners from these countries, feel free to contact us at info at womenunitedartmovement.com for fee submission for any opportunity we run. And obviously, you know, I will receive emails from, from women from different countries as well. And I always apologize and really say, I understand your situation, but at the moment we're supporting artists who find themselves in terrible conditions at this time. So, so I'm just putting it out there. Now what's happening at the moment, we have a call for art for Q1, Q2 for solo shows for next year uh, that, go, that runs throughout June because we want to start preparing things in advance and also allow artists to have more time to prepare uh, their images, their works, if they need to paint more and so on. I also transferred the, the Art Moms United directory to the Women United Art Movement website. So we have the directory there now. We are accepting um, applications for that as well. So that is the same, you know, runs throughout June. Um, and I'm really excited about making this a new thing, new adventure on the platform. And then the most amazing thing and exciting thing that's happening is uh, starts on July 1st, and that's the third year of Women United Art Prize, which is insane. If I think about, you know, that, that being the third year already, but we have some amazing partners for the prize and we will do it the same way like last year. So we have four categories. It's painting and drawing, digital art, collage and fiber art, and photography and printmaking. So we haven't changed the concept compared to last year. And the deadline for that is 31st August. So it will run for two months. Um, and I think it's an amazing opportunity to put your work out there in front of like the, the eyes of four jurors 
international jurors and there are a lot of prizes uh, involved. We're still like working on the prizes for the last year, last year's winners um, and finalists, which is amazing because I get to spend a year with, with these wonderful, 40 wonderful artists actually, because we have 40 finalists total. So I'm really excited about that. And all the details are coming soon on our website. Like in the in the next two weeks, there will be details um, on social media and on the website. And I think, you know, that's like the most, the biggest event that we host this year. Amazing, amazing. I mean, you are doing incredible work, Mona, and just such an inspiration. And you bring such light into the art community. I think it's really beautiful what you're doing. And I'm so excited again for our listeners to just, you know, learn more about your platform. So I will include all of your links in the show notes. And I want to thank you so much for coming on today for this beautiful and uplifting conversation. And thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming. And thank you everyone for tuning in. Thank you so much, Victoria. Thank you everyone who's listening to this. And um, I can't wait to connect again soon. (laughs) Yes. Thank you all. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. To learn more about New Visionary Magazine, head over to visionaryartcollective.com slash magazine. You can order individual copies on Amazon or subscribe annually to digital issues. We also have opportunities to get featured in the magazine, so be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.